recording has started. Alright. Do you want me to get us started, Ryan? Or? Sure, I was still setting my shit up. I didn't know we were going right into it. I mean, it's 8 o'clock. Gary's on time and punctual right now. For Actually, yes. we're a little late. <laughs> Always. I was into some good times, you know, reminiscent of the old times, you know? Old days. The yeah. days back on Mixer. The older days, Mixer days. I would say rest in peace, Mixer, but let's be honest. It it wasn't really that great. Just it was the, very, it was very the discoverability of a streamer, though, was way better. It was, but it wasn't, I think, for me. Um, the problem is you get pigeonholed really bad on Mixer, whereas Twitch, you have, like, a little bit more of a chance to, like, kind of spread out. You don't have to be on the same game or even in the same category. I don't feel like art... Um, music, um, anything creative was really showcased. Mixer was really focused on, um, like, just games, and it was very popular games. Even, like, the little niche games, you there was no discoverability. If you weren't playing a shooter, an MMO, or some kind of popular single-player game, you weren't being discovered on Mixer, in my opinion. True, true. I mean, I started out, like, my streaming career on PUBG and PUBG alone, and since then I've kind of developed into, um, like, more you're of a variety in, streamer. You're definitely a variety streamer at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah. I just play whatever I want, whatever makes my heart happy, and, you know, go on about my day. Good. All right. So with... Spaghetti's in the side. Excuse my spaghetti. Let me just hide <laughs> that. Dinner time. Dinner time. Nobody, nobody's going to know there's spaghetti there. <laughs> All right. So welcome, everybody and anybody that's here, if there is anybody here currently. We are here with a fellow friend and a fellow gamer that knew Tyler, or a.k.a. I am Wi-Fi. Uh, this is Drag Up Tank. He's Hi. been with us since Mixer Days all the way through. And now she is on Twitch currently. And we will make sure that her link is posted in our Discord. And also, we will share this video on our YouTube and other socials. You guys can go back and watch it if you don't have time to watch it all the way through with us today. So, what we're doing here today, we are going to do, or we are going to talk about gaming and mental health and how they have helped her through certain situations or how they intertwine in her life. I know that mental health is huge and it's not talked about enough. So we're trying to bring more awareness and everything that we can to tell everybody and anybody that we can, we can reach out to. And we all know that not everybody talks about it. We're trying to make it easier for everybody to want to open up and want to share, want to be able to come forward and talk to somebody so they don't struggle with it. I could definitely agree with that. Um, so with that being said, and with the introductions, we're here with also Mrs. Wi-Fi, Alyssa, Jer Bear, Jerry, um, Hello. everybody close to our hearts with Tyler, and the foundation, Fly High Wi-Fi. 
and we just want to welcome you thank and appreciate your time we look forward to this session that we're about to have well thank you guys for having me i really do appreciate you guys reaching out to me um something that i've worked really hard to build in my community alone is the fact that we're open about our mental health we're not having a great time we want to be able to reach out to each other and kind of build those bonds between not just people in a stream whereas it's more of a community that's kind of interwoven and as somebody struggling i definitely want to be able to reach out to them or them feel like they can reach out to me and be like hey not really having a great day today i need somebody to talk to and they them always have at least someone to talk to that's really that's important to me absolutely awesome. so gaming is something that you do full-time you are a full-time streamer and gamer, a wife. I have I believe, two dogs. Um, yep. And two snakes. Okay. They're, yeah, um, they're wild. <laughs> also, I believe you have cars also, right? I have a, I used to have a lot more, ve more vehicles, but right now we're kind of down to like my Mustang and I think four or five trucks. Just oh. four or five. Yeah, just just four or five. <laughs> no big deal. It's like just, yeah. just a small amount. Uh, I mean, at one point, my yard was completely from one point to the next in the front yard had a vehicle and we didn't have space. So we had to park them on the street. We were up to like 10 or 15. So it, it gets a little, uh, little rough. <laughs> yeah. So with gaming, how much has it had an influence on your mental health? I think for me, gaming is one of those things you can play any type of game and kind of retreat into something that isn't just your own mind, if that makes sense. It's very much you can almost like some like immerse yourself in another reality and it kind of takes your mind off of something, even if it's for 10, 15, 20 minutes or even like six hours. It's one of those things it takes kind of the pressure of day-to-day -day mundane life things that may be stressful or if you're having serious mental health issues or anything like that. I feel like a lot of multiplayer games are really good, especially when you have, you know, friends and stuff like that around you um, to kind of uplift you. And it just gives you a chance to kind of lay your burdens down and move forward in something that doesn't require you to think about it whereas you know a lot of the times for me like sitting in a room alone is just going to cause more problems than it would for me to have something to do that isn't if i mess up it's okay it's not the end of the world it's a game i can walk away from it but if i mess up you know something like cooking dinner, you know, it might feel like the end of the world to me because my, my food is burnt. But if my food is burnt in a video game, I just restart from the save point. Correct. I get that. And I can concur with that. The, in retrospect, virtual reality of video gaming mm -hmm. gives you a different outlook and a different place to be with your thoughts. Yep. And that way, also... I hell, I've talked to more of my gaming friends and people that I play with on a daily basis than I do my friends and family. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. And I know that it it's easier. It really is easier. 
with those people in my life, I I pick up my phone and call them. I have all their phone numbers. Talk, we text throughout the day, weekly, whatever it may be. But I know that they're there. Yeah. And I'm not really how gaming has helped myself. Ever since I was little, I, I said that like it was my skate, but yeah. But like I was having a hard time. I rent and read myself in the business. Your uh, mic is um, cutting out. out just a little is bit. Is it cutting out? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like your uh, your gate's kind of cutting you off. Yeah, it might be. I have to sit up now. <laughs> I was trying to relax. Um, but yeah, like gaming has just always been like a scapegoat for me. When I was younger, but now it's not necessarily a, a, a skate for me. It's more of a lean-to and a way to help reach out and keep in touch with people and not feel alone in certain moments. So, yeah. I could definitely agree with that. And I think for a lot of people, they don't understand, especially if you don't really play video games, if it wasn't something that you picked up. Video games are for everybody, whether you're a four-year-old or a 40-year-old, or an 80-year-old, you can pick up a video game and start playing it and have a good time. And it's just a matter of what calls to you. There's so many games on the market, just from platform to platform, PC to Xbox to PlayStation to Nintendo Switch, all the way back to you know, your Genesis, your Sega Genesis, your Ataris, your Nintendos, like everything, you have an option out there to play whatever you want and it doesn't have to be an extremely complex game but it can be you know it could be pong honestly like i've had a lot of fun playing pong in you know a basement way back in the day i know so. tetris tetris i love tetris tetris is pretty good <laughs> what's uh, your favorite oh go ahead Lisa. i was gonna say i want to build a little bit off of what you're just saying because me i didn't understand, still don't really understand the gaming community. But I did see like the bond that people do develop when everything had happened. Jerry, Ben, Sharp, everyone kind of took me in. Mm -hmm. um, and you're talking about like games that you can pick up and play. They taught me how to play Rocket League in like a day, not even yeah. a day. And I'm illiterate when it comes to anything technology. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand um, that. So could you talk a little bit more about, like, the relationship or bonds you've developed with people that have helped? So the thing with, like, gaming is you never know who you're going to meet, especially when you're looking into um, just, like, we'll start with just multiplayer games. You never know who you're going to run into. Um, and so I'm going to tell a little bit of a story with this. Um, I had a mod. His name was Bandit. He is absolutely wonderful. Um, I lost him last October. Um, he, you know, had a sudden heart attack and we lost him. And I actually met him through Call of Duty in a hardcore search and destroy, um, you know, lobby. He was just one of the few people that were being nice to me because I was getting screamed at for being a girl, you know, only doing snipers, doing this, doing that, you know, and he was like, hey, that girl's pretty good, you know, and I became friends with him and he eventually became my mod on Twitch. Um, and, you know, I just the thing with it is you never know who you're going to build a bond with until you have that conversation and you kind of put yourself out there to a certain degree. 
And it can be as simple as, hey, that girl's pretty good. We should invite her to our squad. She's alone. Do you want to come squad up with us, honey? Like, he was on the opposite team. He wasn't even on my team when I met him. And he was just being absolutely nice. He wasn't, you know, looking for anything friendship-wise. He just wanted somebody to fill their squad. And it was one of those things of he um, just, you know, kind of... Sorry if you hear my husband in the background. I apologize so much. Um, I apologize. Is he gaming right now? Yeah, he's playing. And then PUBG. no, do not. Yeah, do not apologize. <laughs> well, like if he's playing PUBG, then yes, we apologize for him. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Here's some raging. Um, oh my god, he's really loud. Sorry. He's usually not that loud. Um, but you know, it's just a simple bond of we became friends over playing Call of Duty over and over again, and I never expected to make friends with somebody that lives across the country from me. Um, that ended up becoming my mod. I became best friends with his wife. Like, we all played games together. We used to play Among Us together a lot. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things of, like, I built a bond with him and his wife over something that usually is, uh, like, kind of uncircumstantial, or not uncircumstantial, um, irrelevant to a certain degree to most people, but I became a lifelong friend with him and Patches over that and so i think it's one of those things of you never know until you try it and just trying something out can definitely lead to a lifelong friendship and i think with the gaming community especially with females in the gaming community um we have it so much harder in the degree of if you're playing shooters if you're playing um male dominated esports or anything like that you're always going to be kind of talked down to you know the guys in the lobby are always you know go make me a sandwich go make me that but once you find the few people that are like hey she's killing this lobby right now like we should we should be friends with her um that's when you run into lifelong friends and people kind of wrap their their communities around people to protect them um and I think in your case, that is definitely something that Sharp and everybody has been amazing to do is kind of wrap you up and, and kind of bring you into the family. Yes, I definitely did. It was like an instant, you're one of us now. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's what Tyler did with pretty much everyone he met. Oh, he so, tried to touch my butt first. Yeah, but... he, yeah that, that sounds like something he would do. do. Yeah. And, and Tyler, for me, I didn't want to like Tyler at first. He was very in your face and loud, and I'm a reserved guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty quiet most of the time until I rage. But, you know, and the, mm -hmm. and it was Tyler was just constant in my face, and and he made me be his friend. I don't think you really got a chance with him to not be his friend. To be completely honest, yep. uh, it was very much you're either my friend or I don't know you. Yep. Kind of thing. Yep. And then and then talked, all of his. Go ahead, Jerry. <laughs> if if you talked constant you were family yep mm -hmm. i was gonna say all of his friends i mean at least for me he would facetime the guys and then there's like put me on the camera and i'm like i don't know these people just do the wave and like run away and he's like no you got to talk more and i'm like i don't even know their names <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it's definitely like that. I remember the first thing he ever came in my chat and said was, I bet your OnlyFans is a soldier and a gun. 
And I was you like, know? what? That's that. Yeah. And he's like, mouth. and then he's like, I'm just here to touch your culo. And <laughs> he didn't like introduce himself or nothing like that. He just comes straight for the, straight for the butt. Like, yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> so he just, he had a way to make the room brighter around you it with really whether making you the hardest thing with Tyler is if you didn't feel uncomfortable, he wasn't doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. And sus Sundays are a thing because of Tyler. <laughs> and I remember now... a lot of times with um Tyler, um, just from watching like Mitch's stream or your stream or Bori's stream, um, sitting in chat and just laughing as hard as I could because of the fact of the comments that would come out of his mouth. And I'm just sitting there like, Did he really just say that? Like it was yeah. it was quite comical. He didn't care. He didn't care if it broke any TOS of anything. Nope. Twitches, nope. anybody's. It was, nope. I'm saying whatever the hell I want to say. Yep. yep. I want to make somebody laugh or make them feel better. Yep. He definitely did that. Always. You spoke upon being a female in a male-dominated side of esports and gaming and is that been something difficult for you to try to break the barrier on? Um, at first, I think when, especially when I first started streaming, it was really hard for me to kind of get over that hump of people aren't going to like you just because you're a female. Um, but I think once I kind of set my feet and kind of got established and figured out what I was doing, um, I kind of got that confidence and that air back because once before I started streaming, I didn't have an issue um, in lobbies. Like people have always been extremely toxic in COD lobbies and, and whatever True. lobby I'm in. Um, and it didn't bother me until I started streaming and I started seeing this other side of them immediately coming into my chat after a match and screaming, you know, profanities about how I looked or about a sandwich or how my body was or that I was this or that. And I think for me, it bothered me at first, but once I kind of got my foot in the door and I kind of figured out how, um, how streaming works and how a lot of the male streamers in the community aren't like just the toxic ones that you see on YouTube or TikTok or anything like that. I think for me, it really kind of balanced out and I figured that there are better um, communities out there than just those really popular toxic masculinity ones. Um, and I think for me, it's just a matter of getting that confidence and, and knowing my worth um, within the community. Yes, and you had built a great community. Um, it's a grind, as we all know, streaming can take a lot out of you. It is a lot. I'm going on three years in March. Yeah, and it can take a lot out of you mentally, too. It, it definitely can. I have really um, pushed myself in the past to pump out hours over quality of stream, and I have worked really hard to kind of reel that back and focus more on my mental health and how I feel. And I'm trying really hard um, within the past six months or so to focus on prioritizing not always streaming any game that I play 
and falling back in love with just playing video games and not worrying about what content is going to come out of me playing that video game and it's helped my content by far that's huge because i know i do know that you get sucked into that hole of you see your numbers starting to grow and you see the i don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel to where you finally make it over that hump to where you finally see your streaming career take off but mm -hmm. them first six seven months where you're only grinding to three four people maybe you know in, yeah. in your stream and you're sitting at three four hundred followers and then all of a sudden next thing you know one month you hit 300 follows and you're averaging 12 to 15 and it at that point it drives you to want to keep going more and more and more next thing you know you're putting up 300 hours in a month and you're you're dead yep. you're not putting out that same good content that everybody's falling in love with you're angry you're raging at the game that you're playing yep. that you used to play for fun yeah you used to play that game but now your hobby has now become your profession and streaming and it took a lot of the love of the game for me PUBG at the time and yeah, for me as well yeah and now i sit here and we're playing call of duty back to three four people but i'm enjoying it again and i don't stream as much as i did and i like you said that you had to reel it back in and go back for your mental health instead of grinding I think for me, um, it was it was a really hard pill for me to swallow because I didn't have an issue pumping out a 10 to 14 hour long stream, no real breaks. You know, I'd stop and grab a snack or some food, um, something to drink and use, you know, the potty if I needed to. But I was not getting up. I wasn't stretching. I wasn't exercising anything. I really was just sit here and stare at a screen for hours on end to the point where I was getting migraines from all the blue lights i had to start wearing blue light filtering glasses all the time um and i wasn't taking care of myself and my especially my mental health i was letting it just kind of deteriorate because of the fact that i wasn't realizing that it was kind of eating away slowly but surely and by the time i realized that it was really rapidly declining it was too late and i had to take a step back and take a week off of streaming and be like i've just got to completely reset rewind and learn to kind of balance my time a little bit better and i think within streaming and content creation alone there is this constant i need to one-up myself one-up myself one-up myself i've got to do better i've got to build this i've got to build that um, you know, you've always got, I've got to add more uh, bits alerts. I've got to add more stuff to the stream to make it more interactive for the viewers. I've got to worry about TikTok content. I need to start producing for YouTube. I need to start producing this so that I can reach out. I need to put this Instagram post out. I need to put this Twitter post out. And it's very, very draining on your mental health. And a lot of people don't understand when you get into content creation that it takes everything. Um to really focus a lot of the times on everything that you have to do it's not just getting on stream and say hey y'all how you doing i'm playing a video game i hope you guys are having a great day some streamers are able to get away with that but some streamers have to like myself put in the extra work post on instagram post on twitter um you know try i'm trying to get into tiktok Good I can't lord, I don't. I do not understand video editing to save my life right now. I am trying so hard, but it, it is it is one of the few skills I do not have. Um, hopefully, maybe my husband one day will figure out how to do it and just. 
do all my video editing and nice over in there in the corner, you know, don't have to worry about it no more. Um, but I think it's just a matter of you don't understand how much of a toll that it takes on you. And it really can define um, a lot of people define their careers by their successes, by their follows, by their subs, by the amount of money that is coming in. And they don't understand the community that they're building. And for me, there was a point that I was only about how much money was coming in and I wasn't about the community around me. And once I finally put my foot down, I realized my community isn't what I want them to be. I need to really build my community up and make it a safe place for people to come in and talk about whatever they need to talk about. If they need to, you know, trauma dump, I prefer they don't do that in chat, but they are more than welcome to trauma dump to me in my DMs and I would answer immediately. It doesn't matter if I'm on stream or off stream. If I see it, I'm going to answer you and I'm going to tell you it's going to be okay. And it will pass. Yeah. I, that's something that I've had huge success in when I first started. I've given out my personal phone number many times live on stream because at the end of the day, it's more about being there for the people that need it. Exactly. And sometimes my phone would, sometimes my phone would ring at three, four in the morning and I would be getting up for work in the next hour or so, but I would, I would still answer the phone and not, not worry about the sleep because at the end of the day, I say that and I can't be just saying that and not being there. Yeah. Because then people that might need the help might not actually be, you might not be there and they might not call or might not reach out in any way, shape or form. And yeah. the sleep, the sleep will come back. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's just something that's always meant more to me, and I lost sight of that for a while. When I joined a certain gaming team and I started to push certain things and thought I was seeing a bigger picture and thought it was all for the greater good and come to find out it was a business. Yeah. It wasn't truly about what I originally started. For me, I started for Mission 22 and, and reaching out to veterans and raising awareness and suicide and PTSD. And I lost sight of that, and I had to get back to it. And then... It just, it helped me with, it was like a realization, um, having the people that I do now there for me every day. And when I switched games or went to a different style video game that the people I thought were my real, sorry, my kids, uh, thought were real friends and everything like that, they didn't follow and they didn't come in and if you weren't dropping money in their stream or dropping bits or subs or whatever, they, they weren't there anymore. So I can you find out. Oh, good. As I said, I can build off of what Sharp's saying a little bit. I know Tyler's PC took a crap when he was getting back into streaming. And then we were talking about rebuilding his PC so he could get back into it. And he started saying like, no, he didn't want to because he played more, Rocket League, and that wasn't something that people watched or came to, and he'd rather play it for his own happiness and instead of entertaining others. So he kind of pulled away from the idea of rebuilding his PC because he wanted to focus on what made him happy. And I know, I think you said before we started recording that that was a big change for you, Drag, that you had to 
start playing the games that made you happy and not necessarily what others wanted. Yeah, it was definitely a very hard pill for me to swallow because I had viewership and I had an active community that was very, um, they were amazing um, when I was playing PUBG, but I definitely watched those numbers fall off as I started playing other games. Um, I stopped maining PUBG as my my game to go to to relax or anything like that because I got to the point where it was just making me upset. It was irritating me. I was ir irritable all the time. It just made me unhappy to play. But I was going back to it because of the fact that I felt kind of obligated to play that game because that's, oh, where my content is. That's where my viewers want to see. That's this, that's that. Um, and since... I moved from Mixer to Twitch. Um, I kind of opened up a little bit and started playing different games. I think the first one that I really um, noticed a difference in like a happiness is, is Phasmophobia. It's a ghost hunting game on PC um, with a bunch of wonderful people. Shout out to Jojo because she taught me everything I know on Faz. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one of those things of like once I finally kind of broke out of my shell and realized that as long as my content is good, um, people will come. It might not be the numbers that everybody else sees, but those three people matter more to me than 500 people. I would rather have three active people in my chat saying, hey, how are you? I hope you're having a good day today. Then have 500 that are like, oh my god, did you just see that nasty snipe? That's all she does is snipe. Like, I would much rather have an active community that cares about each other than have a community built around toxicity. PUBG. So, uh, I can speak sorry. on that to Tyler coming back to streaming. Because even with us, Ryan and I, he, he discussed not wanting to stream because he didn't want to play PUBG. Um, he was having fun with DayZ. He was having fun with Rocket League. Um, just being, playing with his, his friends. Um, and there was quite a few of us that encouraged him to get back into streaming. Like, I wanted to see him stream because I enjoyed his content. Most of the time I was playing with him and I still had his stream pulled up. Um, but, like, the days I was at work and he was streaming, I could watch. Um, and I know there was way more than just me thinking that. There was way more than just Ryan. Like, there was a lot of people that, that told Tyler he they wanted him to stream, but he didn't want to play PUBG, and that's what the majority of the people that were telling him wanted him to play. So, speaking to what you were speaking about is, is firsthand, I got to witness that with Tyler. Because from the tournaments that he hosted and the community events he did, he had a good following, and he always had people in his chat if he was playing PUBG. And he would get discouraged when he would switch to Rocket League and, and most of his chat would disappear. So it'd be us us five, six people that go in there every day. Yep. And majority of the time it was us that was playing with them. Yep. Yeah. And see that can be a little frustrating. Um when especially when you're just kind of dipping your toes into content creating. Um it's one of those things of once you get over that hump and you realize that your viewership will fluctuate no matter how popular you are, no matter how many viewers you have, no matter what, it all depends on how people are feeling. Some days I have, you know, 10 people max. Some days I have up to 60, 70. It just kind of depends on the day. And 
I really try to focus hard on not looking at my viewer count as a measure for how successful my stream was over the content that I produced and the community um, talking to me and interacting with me and me feeling like I'm connected to them um, after stream. Yep, and that's where he got with the new PC as he was going to do what made him happy. And he knew that he was going to have, you know, those 20 people or 10 people in his chat that actually wanted to be there instead of the people that were there for the PUBG or the tournaments or the community events. So yeah. it, was, it was always the same people that cared about Tyler that were there. And he cared about them. He cared about everyone, but... He didn't, it didn't matter. He knew you for 10 seconds or 10 years. He cared about you just as much as he did the next person. Mm -hmm. I think what a lot of people don't understand with um with communities and stuff like that, especially um communities like Tyler's and mine and and Sharps and Jer's and whatnot, with the intent of going into it for community building versus monetary gain can be a night and day difference of what that community is about and what how they play their their games and they run their streams i have a lot of friends um that i've met through um various mutuals and stuff like that that go out of their way to make sure you know people have you know access to you know mental health care that they need like access lines stuff like that um i personally have not had that um on my stream just because I highly encourage people, if you have the opportunity to get help from a professional, I would prefer that over just some random person on the internet. I can talk to you, I can have a conversation with you, but I can't offer all of the guidance that you may need. Um, and I don't like to advocate to my chat as to, you know, kind of say like, hey, if you're having a hard time, like you can come talk to me. I don't want them to ever feel like, I am a professional or that I can solve all their problems because I can. At the end of the day, I struggle with my own mental health issues and, you know, depression, anxiety, stuff like that. So for me, it's just one of those things of a lot of places are better equipped and I would rather them go to somebody that's a little bit better equipped. I don't mind talking about it, but I can't help in the, in the long run besides having a conversation. And sometimes that's all people need. Yeah, but you really, you don't know until you know. Right? Exactly. That's very smart. I respect that. Which is why we're here. We're, we're exactly. trying, we're trying to be that, right? Um, Alyssa's yeah. going back to school. Alyssa, if you that. want to talk on that. Um, I'm in my second semester back to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling. So I think spring of 2020 or 2024 i will be licensed in clinical mental health counseling that's amazing that's absolutely Thanks. amazing so we're um, I, I mean as a as a as a whole organization we we're trying eventually we're going to try and have professionals besides Alyssa on board you know so we can have people online or on phone calls or something so we don't have, have a hotline to someone else we can be their go-to so that's absolutely amazing actually yep. actually amazing i think we went into it and this was one of the first things we decided because of what you're saying like 
we want to be able to actually give that guidance and step in as a professional. Um, and like one of the big things is we can direct people to therapists because there's difference between counselors, therapists, and psychiatrists. Counselors just help guide. They yeah. can diagnose, but it's not an official diagnosis until they see a therapist. And it's kind of like works up from there. Yeah. Um, so pretty much what counselors do is they take theories and they just give you tips and tricks on how to cope with what you're dealing with. We know all the medical background. And I could sit here and say like, oh, you are showing signs of PTSD. So I want to refer you to this person. And that's how you get the door in so that they can actually be diagnosed. Yeah. And this was all the original vision of one and only Tyler. Yep. And it's being carried out because he confided all of us and wanted to start it. Uh, and when, sadly to say, everything happened, it wasn't whether or not we should. It was how do we get it going? Yep. And That's an amazing with, viewpoint to take. Yeah, because it it would never thought it was never thought of. It was never anything more than we owe this to him because he wanted it so bad and he struggled. He really did. And it, it just, it saddens all of us. It, it's taken a part of all of us away and it's a way to carry his legacy on in, in a positive manner. I think uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of people don't understand. Um, I'm going to use Robin Williams as an example. Um, you know, nobody understood the struggles that Robin Williams was going through, and they used comedy as a coping mechanism to make everybody else around them so happy, and you don't understand the struggles and the pains that they're going through day to day because they're not actively talking about it, and there's kind of the stigma around mental health that if you talk about it, you're weak, you're this, you're that, and it doesn't facilitate conversation whatsoever and i know for males it is very much suck it up you're being a baby you're being a excuse me pussy um you know you've got to get your shit together blah 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 blah. i'm sorry for cussing but no, that's, no. that's how they you know kind of that's talk about it especially when you're looking at a military um, background it's very stigmatized to have mental health problems um whether you're active duty or a veteran um it's very stigmatized well you know you have this problem this problem this problem you need to suck it up you were you were trained better than this you were trained to not feel that um and so they don't a lot of communities um, and a lot of individuals don't get the proper health needs like mental health help that they need um in order to work through their problems because it's not going to go over oh, away you know using um alcohol or using illicit substances or anything like that. And a lot of veterans sadly do turn to that to try to negate what they're feeling. And it makes it very difficult um, once you get an addiction brought into a mental health problem um, and it kind of compounds on each other and builds and builds and builds until it snowballs and you have an avalanche. Um, and I can add to that. I work in a male-dominated um, role uh, as a welder, um, and I can tell you firsthand it's 
nobody there talks about it. Nobody wants to talk about it because that makes them a pussy, as you said. Um, and, and they get looked down on by their peers and their bosses or their wives or their girlfriends or whatever the case may be. Um, and I've started to spread that, you know, the toughest, the toughest person is going to ask. They're going to say they need help. If you, if you want to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. What's it going to do? Who cares what the next guy has to say? Do they pay your bills? Do you sleep next to them at night? It's not anybody else's issues. It's not anybody else's problems. And that's the mindset that I've always had. But I know not everybody has that mindset, which for me makes it easier to talk about things to people. Um, But yeah, so I'm working on that like internally, slowly, um, because welders, they're a different breed, man. They're, they're assholes. 100%. If you want, if you want my opinion of welders, um, you know, off the record here, of course. Um, you know, are we talking about just welders in general, or are we talking about pipeline welders? So I'm just a manufacturing welder. I, I will. Okay. I will. Well, um, I if you haven't seen my name, it is drag up tank, and that's a pipeline term. Um, and welders are the the wimps of the pipeline community as they are called much worse than that typically but i'm going to say the wimps the wimps um <laughs> they are very much crybabies and you know they're like oh it's wet out here we can't weld in the wet you know and in the rain it's it's too muddy i can't do this i can't do that and so they kind of get the you know the the bad end of the stick yep yeah no yeah. i just weld frames for tractors so but in there it's like welders and then you know assemblers and kitters and so welders are like the alphas i guess you could say and it's it's so annoying because you know the funny thing is it's basically anywhere welding is involved they always think that they're the alphas when they're really not right like i don't care i'm just another guy trying to make a paycheck yeah so but I mean, Alyssa also works in a male-dominated field, so we we um, can agree on all of that. It, it, that it's just it's not. I don't know. It's they they make it so hard to reach out, you know, yeah. to make people want to reach out. Mm-hmm. They surely do. And then I like that you use like Robin Williams as an example. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've seen Tyler's content. But I also seen behind the closed doors, essentially, of Tyler. He had broken down to me quite a few times about different things. And he did, I mean, start going to see a counselor. He did want to make that change. When he first started talking about this nonprofit, one of the things we had talked about is, like, he had to get his own mental health under control in order to make this vision come to life. So... Even that, I'm sure he probably would be, like, cussing me out right now. Like, why are you telling people I went to see a counselor? Because he had that veteran mindset, that military mindset that he should be stronger than it. But he also knew he needed that help, too. So kind of changing that stigma that it is okay. 
I mean, I'm not one to talk about my emotions, but I sucked it up and I started seeing a counselor because I was like, I have to get my mental health under control to do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to do what Tyler envisioned. So I was like, one, I can't have the double standard when he was talking to me about things saying that I'm not equipped to handle this. So you have to talk to a professional. So becoming the professional and also doing getting my mental health under control while also being raised in a very conservative background that even though I am a woman, it was viewed, I was raised by all men. <laughs> so it was like, I grew to have that, oh, you should be tougher than this. You should mind over matter type of stuff. Get the WD-40 and the duct tape. We're, <laughs> we're wrapping up whatever cut you have on your leg and we're spraying it down, you know? <laughs> I get that completely. <laughs> yeah. So, I think, and, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, with the military side, you were, you hit it pretty much they're trying to make it more now to where you're not frowned upon for coming forward with everything. But it was like, I had deployed back to back to back. And if I was to speak of anything that was bothering me mentally, I would have never been able to deploy. So a lot of those issues that I was struggling with, we blanket them so that we can continue to go on with our friends and the ones that we want to be over there with and our brotherhood and our sisterhoods and stuff like that. So when we get home and, four years has went by and you've deployed 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 and next thing you know you just mass so many different feelings you don't even know what you're supposed to feel anymore and when you try to go get the help they're like why didn't you say something prior well has this been an issue this whole time or is it new and it's it sucks because now i'm too i've been out since 2019 and i've been fighting the va on other medical stuff for ever in my PTSD and everything that's coming forward and they're not even factoring in right now because it wasn't documented back when I was getting ready to deploy in 2014 yeah. for the last time. Yeah. So they're like, well, why isn't this, why isn't this an issue then? And why are you now just coming forward with it? Like, mm -hmm. Well, well, because we were... you guys kind of teach us in basic training that we need to compartmentalize every feeling that we ever had and put it in a little box and put it over in the, on the shelf and move on because you're a soldier now. You do what you're told and you don't ask any questions. And you got feelings, you leave them in the car. Exactly. I mean, Ryan, kind of playing off what you were just saying, one of my very first papers, because I am going to be a trauma-informed counselor, was about PTSD and it was about World War II that 75% of people that came back from the war didn't have invisible wounds and all they did was ask that person. And I texted Ryan and I was like, am I too close to this situation because I think this is a load of bullshit. And we talked back and forth a little bit and I ended up writing the paper based on like, maybe don't ask the actual veteran or soldier, ask the people that live around them. Because uh, yeah. they're fine. yeah, they're trained to say, no, I'm fine. But the people around them actually see what they're, I mean, they might not see it all, but they're like, oh, yeah, he changed when he came back or she started doing this when she got back. Yeah. And I that outside waking view. up out of breath, you know, I noticed that, you know, sometimes he goes for a run at three o'clock in the morning for no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my wife can tell you a lot of things. That my quick fuse is a lot of it, like just I know that a lot of it, my anger, um, I struggle with anger issues, and I've never been physical towards anybody around me close, you know. But if some dude says something snide to me at the mall or somewhere, I'm ready to whoop his ass. And 
I had to learn how to tone that back because it can get me in a lot of trouble because now with kids and a family and a career and stuff like that, you fuck up once, you're done. You, they they bury you. They don't give you the second chance that they used to. And everybody's got a cell phone out on you at any time now. So there's no like, yeah, it was self-defense anymore. No, yep, you blast them in his face. Yeah, that was all there was to it. Yeah. So I just, I struggle with anger and I leaned on my kids a lot and my, my wife and they've been helping me get through it. Call of Duty doesn't make it better. <laughs> not at all well then stop playing it forehead I, well there's really nothing else out that attracts there, me there, there's other games you just there is, you're right no, listen. you should really look at turnip boy commits tax evasion Top listen, what is, are we talking